The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday. And today, I'm bringing you an episode that we recorded in broadcast live from our studio at the Empire State Building last week. My guests are Reed Hoffman and Ben Kasnoka. They're talking about their book, The Startup of You. And fun fact, I've known these guys so long that I was the one who interviewed Reed at Fortune when this book first came out, nearly a decade ago. Reed is... Well, he's one of the pioneers of social networking. He's the founder of LinkedIn, he's a partner at Greylock, and he's on the board of Microsoft. Reed's been investing in and advising startups and people, really, for decades. Ben is also an entrepreneur and an investor. Most recently, Ben helped start Village Global, an early-stage VC firm. Together, Reed and Ben aim to teach us how to be ready for the future, how to invest in ourselves, And of course, where we can level up in our careers. This was such a fun interview, and it was so great to be together in person. Here are Ben and Reed. Reed speaks first. It's awesome to be here, and it's awesome to see you. You know, Reed, I spoke to you 10 years ago when you and Ben launched the first book. And um, a little bit has changed in that time. Less than you would think, but some really important things. And uh, I want to start with the biggest one, which is that there has been a pandemic, political upheaval, environmental upheaval, social upheaval. It feels like it is going to continue forever. And you all start with the message that actually it is. Y'all want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, it sounds a little bit like lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Well. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But um, yeah, the age of the inconceivable, um, somewhat riffing off my friend Joshua Cooper Ramos' book, The Age of the Unthinkable, uh, which is also an excellent book. And the the future is going to continue to accelerate and it's going to continue to have global connections. So like, for example, uh, if there isn't another pandemic in our lifetimes, I'll be surprised. Right, so I think there will be another one. I think also not just like whatever is happening with Omicron in the next few months, um, but there will continue to be volatility in industries, volatility in technology, volatilities in in cultures and kind of career paths. And so to adapt to that, the only way you can get the stability you want is adaptability is the new stability. And so to wake people up to that concept is the age of the inconceivable. I just want to double down on that term, the age of the inconceivable. Ben, was that you or was that Reed, really? Well, we come up with everything together. And I think what's amazing, in the first edition of the book 10 years ago, we talked about black swans and how the world's changing. And it's a little bit abstract. I think what's so interesting about launching the new edition in 2022 is every single person on planet Earth knows now what disruption at a global scale looks like. And it could be another pandemic in the sort of medical health sense of the word, which I think is what you you meant, Reed, yep. which is scary to think about, yep. but but I, I'd agree with. But there are all sorts of other massive disruptions that can that can happen that affect each and every one of our careers. And you you mentioned the word black swan, which for people who are watching from the stream and may not understand, like what you're talking about is something that is so inconceivable right now as we sit here the, that we can't even really think it up before it happens, yes. right? And so we'll just expect that to happen again and again and again. Yes. And and you won't know exactly what it is. Right. And so you can't go, no, I know it'll be this one thing. And so the next pandemic I'll be ready for. It's like, no, no, there'll be something big, disruptive, right. that will be unexpected. 
So look, if you are watching in the stream right now, my guess is that your questions for Reed and Ben are as significant as mine. Start putting them in the stream because we're going to get to them in a little while. But I want to start with a few of my own. Um, to begin with, you make the central argument that we as humans, we are entrepreneurs by design. That there has been a period in history where we've been sort of labor, where we have expected stability to come from outside, where we all just sort of got on this elevator that was our career. Escalator, I think is the word you used. And we just followed it. But that period is over. And so what replaces that? So I think what replaces that is essentially thinking about it as a massive and uh, vertically high jungle. Because as opposed to thinking about these things as a, hey, I, I discover my passions at the very beginning, and I kind of go through this relatively easy and ordered thing, and even with an escalator, it even carries me there. I don't really have to do very much. Now you have to be thinking in three dimensions. You have to be thinking about what else is going on. You have to be thinking about, um, well, actually, in fact, to get over there, maybe I have to go down first in order to go up. Right. <laughs> right? And there'll be lots of different things. I mean, lions, lions and tigers and bears. And so I think that's a way of thinking about it. And it uh, also has the variability of what you uh, might encounter. Some of it's also kind of competition and size of the world and all the rest. But I think that that's a metaphor that's a good one to keep in mind. And I think the jungle, you know, jungles can be scary, yeah. but jungles can also be beautiful and exciting. And I reflected on a trip I took to the Amazon jungle in Ecuador. Mm. It's a beautiful place. Yes. Um, and so part of what's interesting about this new world of work is there is, there's a lot of challenge, but it also presents an opportunity for each of us to embrace our own individual vision for our life and build a unique career that suits exactly us. So the old career of the escalator that, that our parents and grandparents rode it was not personalized at all, right? You go work at one big company and you ride this stable escalator up. So there's certain some, certainly some appeal there, the right. stability, the, the guaranteed retirement account, et cetera. Yes. But these days we have the opportunity. Yes, there are some challenges, but it's an opportunity to forge our own path. And we think that's really exciting. And that's why we use this frame of entrepreneurial as the central metaphor throughout the book. Well, and you look at the individual, the me, as it were, as a startup. So how do you approach these challenges as a startup? Um, to go back to the lions and tigers and bears metaphor, yeah, that th those are scary. And also, those are a huge opportunity, right? There's so much unknown, so much opportunity to lean into risk with that. So what does it really mean to think of yourself as a startup? One of the really key things that I think is perhaps the easy misunderstanding of the book is that it doesn't say everyone should go be an entrepreneur. If you should be an entrepreneur, great, right. awesome. Uh, and those people who should do that should do that. But being entrepreneurial is different than being an entrepreneur. Thinking of yourself as a startup here is just thinking of yourself in the same kind of concepts that a startup would be, but it's not you were doing the startup. And so it's like, well, okay, not just what is your passion, but how do you have a great competitive differentiation in the market? Where is the market going? Where should you work? Well, part of where you should work is, is a question of which industries are growing. But then adding in the things that like entrepreneurs have to go the extra mile on in order to succeed, which is pay attention to your network, pay attention to what you're doing. Because uh, like, for example, a uh, piece of advice that we give that, you know, I think students is particularly helpful for uh, is you typically say, oh, I should go choose a big name company. I should go choose LinkedIn or Google or Microsoft and I should do that. And maybe. That's not, certainly not a bad thing. LinkedIn's a good place to yeah, work. LinkedIn's know. a good place to work. I, I'm certainly- Beautiful facilities yes. here in New York. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's someone who works here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, part of the piece is, is choose your manager. Yeah. 
Choose the person who, hey, we've got a good connection, I'll learn some, they'll help me in my career, et cetera. That is more than gold, it's platinum. And that's the kind of thing, because that the kind of networking that an entrepreneur needs to do, right. that's what you should do. And it, don't think of networking as that kind of like the, oh, hi, I'm Reed, can I have your business card? No, no, it's a dance, it's an alliance. It's a, how do we work together? And if you do that and approach it in a human way, you're beginning to use some of the skills that entrepreneurs have to have in order to succeed to have an entrepreneurial career. So I actually, I want to talk about networking for a second. Mm -hmm. But before I do, I just want to say we have so many LinkedIn members in the stream joining this conversation right now. I just want to give a shout out to a few of them. We have Scott Chansey from Chicago, Ryan Martinez, a Hello Monday regular from New York City, Gabe Cresco from South Florida, Nina from California, Ian from Texas. It's great to have you all here. Let's get your questions in the feed. I want to hear what you want to know. What I want to know, Reed, is how has networking changed in the 10 years since you wrote this book? Actually, I'd be very curious. I've never asked Ben that question, so I'm going to pass that along in a second. But I think that the existence of the, the various networks have caused people to pay a little bit more attention to it because they've seen all these networks get large, LinkedIn and social networks and so forth. Uh, while that's there, so like, oh, we should connect. One of the things I think is a good way of thinking about LinkedIn is when I offer someone to connect on LinkedIn, I'm saying, here's my network to help you. It's not, oh, I want like your network, great, yeah, that's helpful too, but it's like, here's a set of people that I could introduce you to, and it makes it a lot easier, because when you're doing a search going, hey, I'm looking for someone who might be expert on, you know, kind of what's going on in China. Oh, you know this person. Yeah, they, would they be a good person to talk to? Yes, I'll do that. And, and I think we're still, in a, like in a baseball metaphor, we're at the very beginning of the first inning still, even after 10 years. Yeah, I think that's so true. But I do want to hear what Ben. Well, has just a to quick thought. I mean, I think it's a great question, Jesse. And I think one of the things that's different about ten years later is that there's so much more information about people on the internet. One of our key pieces of tactical advice when it comes to building a network in your career is do research on people before you meet them. If you're going to take someone out to coffee, look them up online. Look at stuff they've written. Look at their tweets. Look at photos they've posted. Try to understand them. Personalize the outreach. And now. Increasingly, just as the years go by, there's more and more information out on the internet about people and their interests. And so it's it's kind of a tactical tip, but it will be it's stunning the number of, of people I, I sometimes run into or talk to where they, they take someone out to coffee or they meet their, their manager for the first time and they haven't even thoroughly looked at their LinkedIn profile. Like right. if you happen to go to the same school, you noticed on LinkedIn they listed a certain skill or an experience or a volunteer opportunity that resonates. You can draw that out of them in an in-person interaction and much more quickly accelerate the process of, uh, of forming a connection. Yeah. So it just, it's really awesome, LinkedIn primarily, but there are all sorts of information sources out there that help you forge stronger relationships. Yeah, and show, show that you care. Show that you care, yeah. yeah. Right, and I think underneath that, you do have to care. Like you yeah. have to be in this for the right reasons, right? Yeah. So what are the right reasons? Well, I think the right reasons, a little bit again, networking is not, or building a network, it's building alliances, building friendships, building collaborations. And so it's, we are going out into the world together, right? And so it's like, hey, not what can you do for me, or even fully, what can I do for you? What can we do together? Yeah. And if you, if you show that what I'm really caring about is what we're doing together, everyone responds. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's so critical. And those two things that you guys just elaborated upon, it seems like common sense, like low-hanging fruit. And yet, this is what people miss over and over and over again, right? Care care for real, and do your homework. 
Yeah. Show that somebody's time is valuable. And one of these concepts is super deep and human. Like we're talking about like the, the, the taking joy out of interpersonal connection. That's right. a really humane, that has nothing to do with business or networking at some level. That's just be a human being and connect emotionally with people. So that's really key. Right. And the second is super tactical. And you're right, Jesse, I feel like I always like the line, people need to be reminded more than they need to be taught. Mm. And I feel like a lot of the startup view is reminding people about some of these tactics and frameworks that maybe we've heard this before, but it's really important to, to, to turn it into action if we want to accelerate our careers. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly with more from Reid Hoffman and Ben Kasnoka. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the LinkedIn Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with a really special episode because this episode was recorded in our Empire State Building studios with a live online audience. You're listening to LinkedIn founder Reid Hoffman and his co-author, Ben Kasnoka. Their book, which you should totally check out, is The Startup of You. Once again, Reid speaks first. So I, I want to land on something that I'm just going to say for the Hello Monday audience might be a little controversial, which is... Um, you advise people not to follow their passions when they're starting off in their careers. And look, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. And if you're a Gen Xer or a millennial, you probably, if you were raised middle class in North America, were raised under the guidance that you should go off and find the thing that you love and do it. But you all say no? Well, so it's not just that, right? Obviously, you have to have some passion, some connection to what you're doing. If you hate what you're doing, you're not likely to be good and you're likely to be very unhappy. Yes. So... So yeah, don't go, oh, I hate being a retail you know, store owner and doing it, and then go do retail store owning. I mean, just <laughs> don't do that. However, part of this kind of thinking about the world as dynamic and changing and entrepreneurial and thinking of yourself as the startup of you right. is to say, consider yourself within a larger context. What's the market demands? What does competition look like? What are your set of assets about where you can get to? Where can your network help you get there? Where is a good place to be where the tide is going? Which is a good path to be in? And consider all of those external factors and add those in to the things that you're passionate about. That doesn't mean, oh, I don't care about passion at all. Right. But don't think, oh, the real thing I discovered my passion and everything else works out. Because like, you could say, well, my real passion is art. And then you go, oh, that's very hard 
life and business to make work and there's so many people doing it and there's so it's so hard to get into something interesting. Right. Then you go, well, maybe graphic design. That's the kind of parallel. So you're thinking about what is the circumstances that you're in? You know, I hear from so many Hello Monday listeners who they have an idea of what they're going to do. And it can be a really, really different uh, field. So they're going to be a lawyer. They want to be a partner in their firm. Or they're going to be an actor and they just really want a job on a daytime TV show. And by their mid-30s, they get there. And when they get there, they discover that they're burnt out and it's not fun anymore. And they did the thing. And now they don't know what to do. What would you advise those people? Well, it is a very Buddhist idea. Getting what you want won't make you happy. And and if you stop and think about that for a second, it's kind of scary, scary reality. But yeah, uh, it is kind of interesting. People set out these very specific goals or ambitions. And once you get to the top of the mountain, you look around and then say, now what? Right. I, I think one of the useful themes in the book on these sorts of scenarios is how you use your network to think through those scenarios. So first of all, how do you use your network to figure out what those goals should be in the first place? Hey, I'm thinking about being an artist. Maybe I should do graphic design. Well, go talk to five people in your network. It could be existing connections or second or third degree connections on LinkedIn to get some feedback on whether they think that could be a path that works for you. And then if you successfully get that job and invent yourself as a graphic designer and then realize, wait, I'm at the top of the mountain. What next? We'll go back to your mentors, allies, we call them friendlies in the book, your whole sort of kitchen cabinet, right? That's very, it's a very entrepreneurial idea. Entrepreneurs have people who they turn to, boards of directors, advisors, et cetera. Everyone should have that in their own career and talk to those people, be in dialogue with them. I think a huge misconception about entrepreneurship is that entrepreneurs are like these solo hero geniuses that just close their eyes and reflect on the world. They, they think entrepreneurs can introspect and just imagine the future. They're not. They're always out in the world talking to people. They have contact with reality. They're trying stuff. They're experimenting. So if you ever feel like you're stuck or at a crossroads, don't just lock yourself in a room and introspect and get stressed out and anxious. Yes. Go out and engage your network and get help, get insight, and, and, and use their feedback to make the right next move. And the other thing I'd add from the entrepreneurship perspective is experiment. Mm-hmm. Too often, and it's again part of the reason why everyone needs to think of themselves as a startup of you, right. is too often people go, oh, no, that path wasn't it, and I now need to figure the one other path that matters. And you're like, similar to going out in the world, well, experiment, try something. Like go, okay, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll go and, and try like my hand at graphic design, and I'll see if that's kind of interesting. And there are various ways to try to run the experiment, especially when the experiment is what might give you some some joy, some passion, right. some engagement, well, you know, you can do that. I mean, Reed, you are talking to a magazine writer who now hosts a podcast for a tech company. So that last time I read your book 10 years ago worked out for me. Well, what I love about your career transition or evolution, Jesse, is we talk about pivoting as something to different but related. Right. So rarely in a career do you go from one job to something entirely different. Right. But you, you know, it's different. Like, you know, you're doing podcasts, but that's not so different from magazine writing and editing, right? So it's a great, your own evolution, I feel like, embodies these principles so closely. So if you're, if you're kind of think you need to change your career or, you, God forbid, you get laid off, something like that, think about all of the industries or jobs that are kind of adjacent to your current asset mix and see if you can pivot into one of those areas. Well, and, um, you know, it's also about focusing on skills and growing your skills. And you have a really interesting observation around skills. Mm. What are the right skills to be working on and growing versus skills that, like, you don't need to work on as much? I'm curious if you could speak to that a bit. Well, we talked a little bit about 
uh, timeless versus you know, in the time skills. Adaptability is how you get to the new stability, but part of that is to say, well, focus on things like work ethic, learning, um, being able to collaborate well with others, right. uh, being able to, since life is a team sport, play on the team in order to do it. Yep. Do you need to know those, you know, macros in Excel or do you need to know, like, yeah, maybe, and do it, but don't focus on those as the really key skills. Get the timeless skills and keep building and investing in those because those will be with you your entire life. Yeah. Well I actually heard, a, I heard an interesting line recently about NBA players when they learn to play basketball and as a child, right, they learn a lot of basic basketball drills. And then when they get into the NBA, the very first training camp, uh, they think they're going to do these really advanced, sophisticated drills and techniques, and the coaches bring them back all the way to like the dr basic dribbling drills you do in fourth grade. Yeah. And the idea here is experts understand simple things deeply. Sometimes it's a really deep understanding of these timeless skills that make an expert. Mm. So don't overlook. It might seem simple, like how to build a relationship or work ethic, but a really deep focus on those things can set you apart in your career, more so than some of these tactical timely skills that people tend to obsess about. I love that example. We're getting great questions in, and I want to uh, throw a few at you. So this one comes from Jayant Sharma, who is a dedicated Hello Monday listener and attendee. In today's VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity world, what are the ways to prepare yourself in a way that you don't choose the moment, but the moment chooses you? Well, this is actually part of the reason why there's such a substantive portion of the book is based on network, because a network can be a sensor net, right, where you get the early signals about what's going on. It can also be an adaptability, like to enable you to find something that's interesting. And look, it could be a new job or, or a kind of equivalent, but it could also be the, oh, like just to kind of pull the graphic designer, oh, I, I, I know that this is how the graphic design skill job is changing and I should learn Figma yep. <laughs> because the network will help you with that. Right. And so, uh, and then in terms of choosing you, the network also refers things to you, mm -hmm. right? So you go, oh, I know this person. The person goes, oh yeah, Jessie's great. Now let's call her. Maybe she's interested in doing podcasts. <laughs> and here we are. Yes. This question comes from Ryan Martinez, another Hello Monday frequent listener. The 21st century workforce is highly diverse and wonderfully multifaceted. Mm -hmm. What insights do you have for finding synergy amongst this multi-generational workforce so we can actually be stronger creators and more equitable business partners? I think no matter how old you are, what generation you represent, we all care about a lot of the same things, right? Okay. We don't need to overcomplicate generational differences, in my opinion. So people like agency, right? They like to have some sense of autonomy that they can make things happen. People like uh, the feeling of mastery, like they're mastering something, right? Mm -hmm. People like the ability to have impact on an organization. We all know certain projects matter more than others in an organization. People like to work on the projects that actually matter. So yep. regardless of how old you are, you care about these things. And most important, we'd argue, people want to have their careers develop. People, you know, you ask, you survey employees in corporate America and around the world, they care about career development, professional development. So um, no matter the age, people care about these things. So if you're a manager listening to this, I think you want to construct a workplace and a culture and have a set of programming. And we talk about this a little in our book, The Alliance that can deliver entrepreneurial career development to your employees. And if you're an employee working someplace, certainly select your employer in part based on the opportunities that you see for yourself to grow and build your skill set, build your asset mix, and make your LinkedIn profile look more impressive <laughs> by the end of having worked at that company. Well, I love that. I love the way that you frame that. I know that for myself, when I hear from Hello Monday listeners, and there are people who are dedicated to their careers, the thing that they want most of all is rarely money, it's usually not prestige, right? It's to feel like they're growing and thriving. 
right? That over and over. Monica Ivia from San Francisco, she asks, is the tour of duty concept still valid in this great reshuffle that we're in? And, and how should we think about it? So 100%, and thank you, Monica, for reading the Alliance. <laughs> uh, the basic thing we were trying to figure out is what is the right interface between companies and managers and hires and startup review people? Yeah. Because the startup review people are entrepreneurial and they're kind of reading the market and trying to figure out what to do. And the old lifetime compact, which had broken much earlier and the kind of was staggering on as a fiction, right. wasn't working. And yet you needed and you wanted some mutual loyalty. Like, what is the way that we we actually, in fact, form a really good loyal button versus the, hey, what's good today and who cares? Like, no, no, most people want more than that. And so we said, well, uh, really what you do is you set up a tour of duty. The tour of duty is a compact between, you know, manager, uh, employer, and uh, employee. We say, hey, do this kind of thing to do a, a great piece of work at the company, and I'll do this thing, we'll do this thing, to also help your career. Yeah. And if anything, more true now than it was then. It's still going in that direction. There's one more thing I really just want to touch on with both of y'all. We talk and think so much about creators and the creator economy on LinkedIn. And it strikes me that the only challenge with that is that creator doesn't always feel like it is the word that represents me. Mm. If I'm a person, say a, a lawyer, making my way on the internet or in my law firm, mm. how would you define a creator? Well, I would say if you don't like the word creator, think of yourself as a CEO, the CEO of your own career, right? And this is what the argument of the book, you might work at a big company, small company, doctor, lawyer, teacher, but you're at least the CEO of one startup. That is your career. So it's a different C word. I think the word creator uh, currently applies to a range of like YouTube influencers and online folks like that. I do think it will broaden. I think that the basic trend, though, that creator points to is just going to strengthen over time, which is so many of us are building, we call it in the book, portfolio careers, side hustles, publishing our work online, building a followership. And that's really, really valuable. So the, the trend will continue. If you don't like the word, there are lots of alternative words. Well, and also thinking of creating... You go, okay, I create a video, I create a podcast. Yep. Yes, those are creators. Yep. But also, by the way, creating experience. Yeah. Like if, I, if you're creating experience, you're having a dinner party. Everybody is more creative and has more of the creator in them than they might think. And so much of the creator is about figuring out how to engage dynamically and authentically with people who follow you, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, no matter what you do, in the moment that we live in, it's a valuable thing to have followers, right? Yes which we also cover in the updated edition. Exactly. I mean, which would be very confounding to my grandparents, by the way. Yes, of course. <laughs> Unfortunately, our time is up, which means that our Hello Monday listeners will need to read your book in order to go into this more. I hope that they do. We'll also be in the comments later. I certainly will be. So keep chatting about this. Um, thank you, Reed. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate, so appreciate always. you being here. That was Reed Hoffman and Ben Kasnoka. Check out their book, The Startup of You. It's relaunched and available now. Their podcast is also called The Startup of You, and you can find it soon on the LinkedIn Podcast Network. This week on Office Hours, we're talking more about the idea of running yourself as a startup. How does taking an entrepreneurial approach help you? And what questions do you have? Join the Hello Monday team for Office Hours on Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern. You can find us on the LinkedIn news page or email us for a link at hellomonday at linkedin.com. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. Sarah Storm and Stephen Valdivia produced this week's show with our video production team, including Elias Avalos, Wesley Wingo, Derek Carl, and Greg Lee. Joe DiGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is head of news production. 
Michaela Greer and Victoria Taylor are two people startups we are proud to invest in every week. Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. I'm Jesse Hempel. See you next Monday. Thanks for listening.